0: continued series on the life of Jesus. We've been doing this since the uh, beginning of January. We've been looking for these epiphanies, these moments where we have some ahas, where we learn a little bit more about Jesus that we knew before. And we've been following this particular uh, metaphor for the last couple, uh, starting last week on uh, um, Jesus being um, the bridegroom and we, the church, are the bride. So this wedding language, we've been looking at that. And this is a very appropriate time for that. Obviously, Valentine's Day is this weekend. So I hope you're prepared, um, getting ready for that. To, um, these are one of the rituals that we do in our culture, that we stop and, and speak something and say something and do something for each other. Uh, I told Janice to pack a bag. Uh, she has no idea where we're going overnight tonight, and uh, so um, now she usually figures this out, which drives me crazy. been married almost thirty-five years. I have all—I've done all these special events, and usually by the time, probably by the time we're driving out of here after the second service, she'll go, "Oh, so we're going there."
1: I probably know anyway. now, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> Do you want to? No, 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 I'm not going to no, go,
0: no, go no, there. I'm not Anyway, so uh, marriage is something that we need to to nurture. Um, you know, a lot of marriages we find are um, undernourished. We they don't we aren't we aren't giving them the right kind of vitamins. We aren't feeding it properly, and and uh, they can get depleted pretty fast. It takes a lot of effort to do that. So um, we began last week looking at the idea that marriage and relationships are not really for our own personal satisfaction. But the reality is these are training grounds for our soul, to train our souls to become more other-focused than self-focused. That's not real natural for us. Uh, The scripture in Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I don't know about you, but that stretches me. Uh, I tell people, if you get people somewhere equal in value to you, where you're considering them and thinking about them and valuing them equal to you, I think you're a rather amazing human being. Because most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, the time that we spend in a 24-hour period is mostly thinking about self. It's mostly doing our own stuff and thinking about what I'm going to do and how I Um, relate to the world, but to consider others more important, I think, absolutely requires a transformation. It requires a Holy Spirit transformation of the heart for us to move people to that place. So um, what we're suggesting is that what if the most important thing to God in all of our relationships is this transformation uh, for us to become more into his likeness? It's not really about getting our needs met. But you might say, well, wait a second. I thought God loved us and he cared for us and he wanted to meet our needs. Absolutely. He does. He cares about you. He wants to meet those needs. But what if the plan that he has for you to find fulfillment in life is more about giving your life away to another than it is to receive?
1: So God uses our relationships and our marriage to really help us grow, to be transformed. But he also makes our marriages and our relationships a blessing to us. When we think about marriage, you look early on, the second chapter of Genesis, and God says, it's not good for man to be alone. If you look in Proverbs, it says, um, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. It doesn't really say anything about husbands. But he who finds a wife finds favor. God has benefits. I think it might be, and it's Valentine's uh, Day. What is wrong with me? I think I've been hanging around Ed too long. (laughs) Uh.
0: Obviously, it's a poison. I I was
1: worried last night about this next part that I offended people, and I thought. That's Ed's job. I'm not supposed to offend people. (laughs) Anyway, back to the point. Marriage is a benefit and is a blessing to us. And if we look even in the current studies, the current statistics that are out, research is showing that marriage is actually healthy for us in many, many ways. Now, that's contrary to our culture because our culture is tending to move away from marriage or even denigrate the whole idea of marriage. But God has put it in our life as a blessing to us. Us in so many ways. Here's some of the things that the current studies are showing us. Um, people who are married are more likely to be physically healthier. They're more likely to be mentally healthier. They're more likely to be happy than people who are single. They recover from illness quicker and more successfully. They do better in their careers. In fact, that they have found that men who are married earn 22 percent more than single men that have similar experience. Uh, Men are more likely, married men are more likely to advance faster in their careers than single men. Generally, married people take better care of themselves and they avoid risky behavior. Overall, married people enjoy better health, more money, and more satisfying sex. I put that in for Brent. Um, Now. If you are single, that is not for you. It's a true study. That is not for you to be discouraged. God is going to take care of you. Please do not run out and find someone right now. Because what we will find is these statistics are true for people with a good marriage, not just any marriage. Linda Waite is a sociologist, and she has done studies over four decades on marriage. And what she has found out in her book, The Case for Marriage, the evidence from four decades of research is surprisingly clear. A good marriage is men's and women's best bet for living a long and healthy life. In fact, the studies show a good marriage has the same benefit as giving up smoking. So there are benefits in us being married. We become healthier individuals all the way around. So marriage is a transforming ground for us to help us grow grow more and more in the image of God, to help us deal with our stuff. But it's also a blessing to us. It's something that God has given us so that we can live the abundant life that he has told us about.
0: And yet it's challenging. Ephesians 4 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So we get a clear message that this is going to take some effort. This isn't magic. This doesn't just happen easily um, as our religious or our um, um,
1: uh,
0: romantic relationship or
1: romantic world. Gosh, you've just gotten me yeah, all like,
0: discombobulated here. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I take off my jacket. Is all right. Okay. So the cha- <laughs> um, the cha- One of the challenges um, is that we marry people. We are drawn to people that have different qualities than we do that there's something about this connection that we look for. We look for people that are different. We don't realize that we're doing that in courtship. Matter of fact, we think we have everything in common with this person in the first little bit of courtship. But the reality is, if you've been married more than five minutes, you realize that this person is very different than I am. They have a lot um, of of qualities that are different. Now, this idea of blending is a great idea. It's, It's God's plan to get the benefit of two unique people blending their lives together. But we struggle with difference, because the very thing that drew us to this person, those very characteristics and qualities, to their extreme are the very things that drive us crazy. We all have strengths and weaknesses, don't we, in, in who we are as a person. Um, Janice was attracted, as she said, over the years to um, the fact that I was really steady, you know, I didn't have mood swings. I wasn't up and down and all around. And I was pretty much just steady, real consistent in my life. And I've heard that quality uh, from her a lot. But you know what that can turn into? It's really boring. <laughs> just like she sometimes, like, sense that she just wants to shake me and like, wake up, you know. Um, I was attracted to this spontaneous, fun-loving, bright um, personality personality. And sometimes it got a little chaotic uh, over the years. Uh, And so the very thing that attracts us is the thing that drives us crazy sometimes. And so it's a challenge. That's why it takes effort to do this. That's why there's going to be some clashes that we're going to naturally experience that we've got to learn how to manage. It's not just going to happen just because we love each other. We have to learn and work and put effort in to managing that.
1: We have to blend our two lives into one and take both of our strengths and put them together so that we can be more effective. Whenever I think about this, I think about um, the disciples that Jesus picked, particularly the 12, that he gathered around himself they were not all alike. In fact, there were some dramatic differences. We had a tax collector and a zealot who should have hated each other. And yet, Jesus picked these and said, you should blend your lives to one because I'm entrusting you with the most important message in the world. I am giving you the gospel message to send out to the world, to proclaim my salvation to the entire world. Dramatically different people but he expected them to blend together and work together in this work that he had for them. Uh, We know a lot in scripture that Jesus pulled aside to pray, but a lot of times we don't know exactly what he was praying. But in John, we actually get a chance to hear what he was praying and how he was praying for unity for us for his followers. So let's look in John 17, 20. It says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me.
0: So he was the one that designed this. He knew that he was going to make us to be drawn and attracted to difference, and yet he knew it was going to take a lot. Uh, it's going to take transformation for us to pull this off. I believe that the greatest potential strength of all of our relationships are the unique differences. You've heard us say before that we believe if you marry somebody exactly like you, then one of you is unnecessary. Uh, the idea in God's economy is you blend these two strengths together, and if they can collaborate and work together, then you've got a powerful team. It's a wonderful uh, potential. It's a wonder of, this, uh, of the sauce, of all the ingredients of the sauce pulling together. I believe it's the power of synergy, where the power of the team is greater than the power of the individual parts. It's like one plus one equals three. And I believe God designed this. He knew that we had phenomenal potential in our relationships. But he also knew that it would probably be the source of most all the conflict that we would ever have. It's a double-sided coin. Uh, because you're going to find differences on almost every level uh, in significant relationships. The three that, that we think kind of give us a perspective on who a person is, is, is our gender. Uh, men and women are wired differently. Did you know that, that men and women are different in every single cell of their body? And so it shouldn't surprise us that we interact with life differently. Uh, over 90% of couples marry an opposite dominant temperament. If the very last thing that you would ever want to do is bounce a checkbook, you're usually attracted to somebody that's pretty good at that kind of thing. Uh, there's something about this sense of completion that we look for. All of us were raised in different environments, different family systems, went to, went to church or didn't um, go to church, raised in, with a broken family or an intact family. All of those things influence us. When you look at all of those differences, we should not be surprised that we're going to have conflict, that we're going to have challenges, that we're going to bump into each other at times. God is not surprised. As a matter of fact, when you look at these differences, if you get frustrated with them, you can blame him because he's the one that did this, okay? But he planned on us doing it differently. He's got a different way for us to interact and get the full benefit. What most couples do is they come towards each other and they don't really know how to blend and they start bumping into each other and they just pull back. It's what we call a roommate marriage. They just stay out of each other's way. They just learn not to talk about certain things. It can create some measure of peace in life, but it is very limited. It is so limited from what God designed. There is a way for us to find that sense of unity, that sense of intimacy in all levels of our relationship.
1: The challenge is when we try to come together and we try to blend, our human stuff comes out. We are image bearers of God, but we're broken image bearers. We have flaws because we're limited human beings. And so when we try to blend together, our stuff comes up. And generally what we do is we get locked in a pattern that we call a dance. And we go round and round in a circle in a very ugly dance. And we have difficulty breaking out of that because it takes work. It takes effort. Scripture talks about making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. It requires effort on our part to change our patterns and to change the way that we're doing things so that we can come together in in unity and wholeness.
0: So this morning, we want to give you a little nugget um, of things that we have seen that can be helpful, whatever level of relationship you have in your marriage, uh, can be in uh, a parent with an adult child, and you kind of get into this dance. Uh, people get into this dance with uh, with coworkers, with roommates, and how do we recognize what's going on and, and learn how to to break out of out of this what we what we call dance? Uh, we've been working with couples for thirty years now, and as we've interviewed couples, couples will tell us that whether they've been married three years or five years or ten or twenty or thirty, that they pretty much have had the same argument for all of those years. Now, a different thing triggers it every time, but they both end up feeling the same feelings. They both end up doing the same things, um, doing the same behavior, and they feel caught in that dance. I've had people call it a black hole that just kind of sucks them in, um, and and a vortex that just kind of takes over, and it's it can really take the life out of us. And so we're going to look at, at what happens here. When you take two individuals, Um, and bring them together that's supposed to be a box what happened it stopped working on um okay there we go it's just slow on me um if you take two individuals, those are individuals, the squiggly lines are bruises, okay? Um, these, are, these are part of our brokenness. This is stuff that we brought into the relationship oftentimes before you ever even knew this person. These are dings that happen to you over life.
1: And all of us have them. You know, C.S. Lewis said, always remember that everyone you meet is fighting a battle. We all have our stuff, our wounds, our bruises that are within us. The problem is so many times when we're fighting that battle, when we're fighting the enemy, we tend to hit one another or we mistake one another for the enemy or for that negative thing. Our goal in doing this is to remember we're on the same team. The problem is out here. We're on the same team and we're working together to solve the problem. You are not the problem. The problem is the problem.
0: So when you put these two humans together um, in close proximity in an intimate relationship, there is no way that you are not going to bump into each other's bruises. You're going to do something or not do something that's going to hit your partner's bruise. When that happens, um, when a bruise is Gets pushed. there's a certain response to that. And the, and the initial response is feelings. There are certain emotions that we have. A lot of times we aren't even aware of these. They happen so fast. They, it, it's a flare that, that takes place. And then out of those feelings, we have what we call a knee jerk. That's a knee, okay, that little circle. I'm not an artist, but just envision a knee. Uh, we have a knee jerk behavior. And I call it knee jerk because it's not that we sit there and go, gosh, they really... They really said something that offended me. I'm going to go yell at them. I don't do that. It's like the doctor hits your knee and your knee pops up. It's, it's just, it just happens. A lot of this happens on a subconscious level. There is a perfect storm in every relationship where we find a dance step where our bruises perfectly align with each other in a not very good way. And so there's this place where our bruise gets pushed, and our reaction hits our partner's bruise right between the eye. And that then creates in them certain feelings. And then they have a knee-jerk reaction. And in our perfect storm, their reaction hits our bruise right between the eyes. It causes more of these feelings, it causes more of this behavior, causes more of these feelings, causes more of this behavior, and now we're off to the races. We're not thinking, we're reacting. Uh, we literally are insane at this point. Uh, we are intoxicated in a bad drunk. Okay, it's uh, we're just reacting, um, f- slinging stuff, defending ourselves, and this oftentimes goes on and on and on, and it is a mess. It is very destructive. Every time a couple slips into one of these, every time of any relationship slips into one of these, it st- steals, kills, and destroys something mm-hmm. uh, in their life. Now. It's good to know that we're not doomed. There is a way. If we put the right effort in it, there is the way that we can pull out of this. The first thing is we've got to be aware of what's going on here. We have to have our eyes open to the truth. And the key is, is if we can learn how to bring these feelings here, right here and right here to our conscious awareness, if we can begin to be aware more that, oh my gosh, I'm feeling offended, or I'm feeling this or that, then I have a choice, because God has given you the choice. If you, can, if you can consciously be aware of this, then you can change your behavior. And so what we look for, the key, is being able to break out right here or right here. Either one of us have the option to break the dance. And the key is, we have to realize this is our dance. It's not like my kids, when you try to find out who started it, they go, they did. Uh, that's what we get caught up. Well, if they hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have done that. Doesn't work. God doesn't take, get, take us off the hook there. We have the responsibility. Even if our partner does hurtful behavior, I can still stop the dance. Now a lot of squiggles on here and and stuff but i want to give you an example of this Janice and i've been working with couples again for 30 years we've been trying to help them bridge um uh, the gaps and the differences and build a sense of intimacy and unity and we've taught these principles for a long time many years we were I don't know we were at a seminar teaching something and and I think on the drive home we kind of looked at each other and said now you know we have one of these too don't you because <laughs> um, we have one every relationship has one of them
1: but it's really hard when you're marriage counselors because you have to really work on it you know yes. we're not allowed to keep it anymore yeah.
0: so I want to show you what our dance looks like just to give you a picture of how this works in life so real quickly um if Janice is over here on on this side um her bruise, without going into lots of detail, um, she, her, her parents both came from really difficult circumstances. It was actually very amazing that they married and they stayed married all of their life. They raised, they, they did a good job of providing for their children. They did a phenomenal job of that. But because they had not had any nurturing from their own um, families, uh, they did, had no clue how to nurture their kids. So Janice came into our relationship not feeling really special, not feeling this sense of intrinsic value that that she was unique and special and deeply loved. And so that was her bruise. And quite a few times over 35 years, I've been an idiot. And I've done things that have hurt her feelings or I've neglected her or or whatever. And And I have hit that bruise quite a bit. The main thing that happens when I hit that bruise is if I can just write seventh. She tends to feel like she's seventh on my list of priorities. Everybody else comes first. All the other roles in my life comes first and she gets the crumbs. That has been something we've been dealing with for 35 years, and she has felt like she gets the leftovers. Now, what used to happen before we were able to identify her dance is she would have a knee-jerk reaction that 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 hit her so hard that she would have a knee-jerk reaction, and she would say or say something critical: "You don't love me, you don't care about me, everybody's more important to you than me," or something like that.
1: But in a very nice way, very, I'm sure.
0: Very sweet, very sweet, sweet, sweet way. Now. My bruise, if this is me over here, um, I was raised in a a family system that taught me to do everything well, work really hard, make sure you're doing everything with excellence. As a matter of fact, work so hard. Do things well enough that nobody would ever criticize you. Stay ahead of the criticism. Very sensitive criticism. Didn't like it. Um, And so when my bruise got hit, I pretty much tended to feel like I had blown it, uh, messed up. I'm never going to make her happy. Those kind of feelings. My knee-jerk reaction to that is I would justify my behavior. That's where I started. I would explain to her, Honey, I know I got busy this week, but I had an emergency in the counseling center. We had a funeral at the church. I am one of the pastors. I've got to do this stuff, you know? And, and I would try to justify and rationalize behavior, which helped her feel warm and fuzzy and loved, right? <laughs> Not Exactly. Pretty much what I was telling her is, Your feelings are stupid you're too sensitive, you're overreacting, you don't know how grown-up life works. I never said those words, but that's exactly what she felt. So now I've knocked her from seventh to eighth. Um, She said something more critical. I would feel more like I'd blown it. I justified and rationalized more, and we were off to the races. This kind of looks like a base path, doesn't it? We're running the races fast. Um, of course, backwards, but we're, we're running the races here. <laughs> Usually, these conversations end up with both people pretty bloodied. Not necessarily literally, but sometimes. But it's, uh, you know, somebody just leaves the room. Somebody just goes, oh, f- just forget it. I don't even know why we try to talk like this. Somebody hangs up the phone. Somebody cries, stops the whole conversation. It just stops. And then we learn, oh, my gosh, that was horrible. Let's never let that happen again. So we just try to avoid it. But I can tell you, this will stop. Well, it'll happen again two weeks from now, Tuesday. Something else will hit that bruise and it'll flare again if we don't take care of this. Now, fortunately, again, there's a way to break out of it. Now, Janice kind of led the cause on, in, in our, our, she did a much better job than I had to kind of reorient us. She began to be able to identify what those feelings were um, that she felt neglected and cared for and loved. And what she learned how to do in this escape, because the key is how do we escape Um, When she started feeling those feelings, she learned to say something like, I've I've really been feeling lonely this week. I've really been feeling disconnected. Now, that's different. That came across different to me than you don't love me. When she said you don't love me, I'm going, I worked till 10 o'clock last night because I love you. What do you mean I don't love you? I mean, that's kind of where my justification went. But when she said I'm feeling lonely, I hurt her heart. And we were able to break out of the dance. We were able to sit down within five minutes or five hours. Sometimes it took us longer periods of time and have a reasonable conversation. Uh, We have a a, a three-step process that we coach couples in on once you're sane, once you're sober, how you can actually sit down and talk through an issue in a way that actually leads to a solution. Now, we don't have time this morning to go into that. We're going to have the details of that on the website under marriage resources this week. You can go in and look at that. And and if you work at this, you'll be able to sit down and talk about any issue that you face and come out with a win-win solution. And so we were able to break out at that point and sit down in a few minutes. She was able to share with me um, her side of the story, which is, you know, I know there was a, I know this has been a busy week. I know there was a... Uh, stuff at the, you know, the funeral. I get all of that. I know about the emergency and the counseling. I, get, I know that. And, and I've but, but we've been kind of going on this pace for about two months now. I haven't said anything yet, but I'm getting nervous. I feel like we're getting into a pattern where I just feel really disconnected. And you know what her escape strategy has morphed into? Now she says, I miss my boyfriend. Now when I hear that, now the first time she said that, I thought she said I need a boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> And
1: That's a whole different yeah, thing.
0: Yeah, that, that didn't go real well, okay? Um, but when I realized that I was her boyfriend, as so a matter of fact, I still get texts to this day periodically when I'm at work or something, I miss my boyfriend. I know it's like, oh gosh, I've probably gotten busy. But we were able, um, once we're able to, to um uh, sit down. She's able to share her perspective. I've been able to share. I know I've gotten busy. I, I know I've gotten, sometimes I just get in that vein and I, I kind of go brain dead. I forget what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not sure how to do all. I feel like I'm getting, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out how to do my schedule. And then we were able to, to, to figure out a solution. And probably I'll take next Monday off and we'll run away and reconnect. Instead of taking hours of trying to convince each other how bad they are. Me trying to convince her how she doesn't understand and she's too sensitive and she's overacting. Her trying to convince me that I don't care about her and I don't love her and I put everybody else first, which is a waste of oxygen. It's a waste of energy.
1: Most couples that we see spend hours barking at each other. It's I'm going to bark and bark and bark until you realize what a terrible person you are. We never solve anything. We just make each other feel terrible, but nothing is accomplished. We want to work on actually solving things so that you can go on and have a healthy life together.
0: So every relationship has one of these. Okay. Step number two, you probably noticed again that you have a little something under your chairs. Um, The counselor in us, um, (laughs) we want you to have a little handout this morning. If you can just reach over pick this up. It's an opportunity for you to be able to identify your dance. Uh, Again, whatever relationship. And again, everybody in their significant relationships goes through this. You can do it with a roommate. You can do it with a parent. Do it with a spouse, uh, boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, It says the marriage dance step. And you're going to see this basic description on the front of that. And simply what you do is you simply think back, on the kinds of arguments, the kinds of negative interactions that you have that go badly. You can think back to last week, you can think back to six months ago, or six, whatever. And on the flip side, it has a list of feelings and reactions. You simply go through that feeling list and go, okay, what are the five main feelings that I usually end up feeling? Where she was feeling seventh, I was feeling like I'd blown it, I messed up. You, you circle those. And then what are the five main things? Be honest with yourself. What are the five main things I do? Do I rage? Do I criticize? Do I escalate? escalate? Do I lecture? What are the things that I do? And then you simply fill out your half of this chart. And if you're, a, if you're a husband, then you put the five things under husband's feelings that you feel, the five things under your reactions, and then you join your charts together. And just take a look. Again, this dance here is what happens when you put these two humans together. When you put Brent and Janice Sharp together, this is what we're vulnerable to. Now, yours is going to be a little bit different. And, And the more you can understand the nuance of your dance the quicker you can break out of it. Now, I'll tell you, um, you can get really good at um, that the three-step process that we teach couples on how to resolve conflict. You can become experts at that. As a matter of fact, um, I did that for years with couples in, in the counseling room, and they did marvelous as long as they were in the counseling office. But the minute they got home, somebody stepped on somebody's bruise, and they're flaring so fast, they're into their dark hole, that they can't pull out of it. And so that's where we had to start teaching this, to be able to, how do we, how do we stop the madness? Um, but I will tell you, you can get really good at issue resolution. And you can get to a point to where this doesn't have to happen so often. When you have an issue, you can go directly to them and sit down and talk it through. But I will tell you, out of professional and personal experience... This will still happen sometimes. Because you will still have bad days. You will still have difficult moments. There are times where your spouse is going through something and they can't they, they don't even have the resources to really give back to you effectively. Or somebody else stepped on your bruise at work or a friend. It wasn't even your spouse. And all of a sudden you're just minding your own business and they walk in that in the house and they're bloody. Uh, from something that happened at work and it doesn't take much you just look at them wrong and you have bashed their bruise in and we're off to the races and so we have to learn how to 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 be able to pull out of this again recognize the truth be able to this is kind of the pulling down of strongholds and taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ learn how to recognize what that is so then what you do is you just work together on your escape plan I have a lot of couples that simply will just say something like, we agree that we're just going to say, okay, can we, can we take a time out? Can we take a break? Uh, I think we're starting to dance. Something simple as that, but you've got to agree on it. So you work together again as a team. So whatever you're thinking about saying, make sure it's comfortable with your partner. I have, I've had some couples say that, well, I just want to say, I'll just say time out. And their partner goes, oh, don't you dare say timeout. (laughs) Um, My parents used to always put me in timeout, and I'm going to think you're putting me in timeout, so don't you dare say I'm timeout. So again, it's got to be something that works for both of us. The key is this is your dance. This is our dance. We both have to take responsibility. Even if she's having a really bad time and she ends up going ahead and saying something critical, that does not give me the right to react my old way. I can still catch it, and I can pull out of the dance. And I'll tell you, we, we do a lot better now. But our dance will still start. But usually, maybe in the first rotation, we'll pull out of it. But sometimes, we might go a couple times around the base path, okay? Um, but it's so much better than, than it used to be years ago. And you can get better and better and better at this if we put in the effort.
1: Hebrews 12, one says, casting off sin and everything that so easily entangles us that we can run with endurance the race that's been set before us. Some of this is sin. Some of this is just stuff that entangles us. But if we allow ourselves to waste our time and our emotional energy getting caught up in this stuff, we're going to miss out on the very thing that God has called us to do. So we want to deal with this stuff, get it put away where it belongs so that we can press on, that we can race on in the very thing that God called us to do.
0: Commit yourselves to not start a conversation that you are trying to win. Only start a conversation that you're trying to solve. Don't fight your partner, but fight for unity. It is so important. Make every effort.